0: Hello and welcome to this Thinking and Working Politically community of practice podcast for this month's newsletter. I'm Gareth Williams from the Policy Practice and I'm joined by two of my Nigerian colleagues from the company, Dr. Sueba Ahmad and Sunny Kulatuya. Nigeria is a country where you can't escape politics, particularly at the moment uh, when we're on the eve of presidential and state level elections. But I'll be asking my colleagues, Sunny and Sueba, to take a step back from the here and now, and to think about how over the course of their careers, thinking and working politically has helped them in their work as development practitioners, how they've used the approach, how important it's been, and what difference it's made to them. Just to introduce our two guests today, Dr. Sueba Ahmad is a trained educationalist, gender advocate and consultant, She's been working in the field of education for 17 years. She's an associate professor in Bayera University in Kano, Nigeria, and is currently a director of its Center for Gender Studies. My friend Sonny Kulituya is a seasoned development consultant with over 25 years of field experience in development and governance reform, having worked extensively in areas of political economy, institution analysis, project monitoring and evaluation. So let's kick off the, the discussion. Perhaps we could start off by looking at the big picture. If you could tell us a bit about the Nigeria political economy context and why this makes development programming challenging and why this makes a thinking and working politically approach important.
1: OK, uh, thank you, Garrett. My name is Mr. Sonny Kulutwe. Uh, in terms of the political situation in Nigeria, thinking and working politically um, seems to be the best idea because of the context of Nigeria. Um, one is that the oil discovery in far back late or early 70s has actually contributed to the problems that's affecting governance in Nigeria. Um, having discovered that oil, the attention has been shifted from internally generated revenue to the federal uh, location in terms of uh, oil money. And that has pulled the politicians under pressure to see what they get and not what they deliver as service to the people. And that tension between the struggle for the fund, uh, for the resources from oil and the, 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 the need for service delivery has created a political situation in Nigeria that is causing crisis between what we can call the rich and the poor. And the rich and the poor, in this sense, are the key politicians, not even the private sector. But the key politicians have hijacked the system in the way to favour themselves and without delivering services that are needed at the at the community level. And um, having that at the end, the, the, that 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 tension in terms of struggle for resources has created the corruption system in Nigeria that is so high and so indebted in the life of uh, politicians that nobody goes into politics or oh, let me know. You say nobody. Very many of them go into politics because of what they want to get for themselves and their families, and not what they want to deliver to the society. And that corruption situation has also cont- has given birth to so many crisis situations in Nigeria. You can hear about the Boko Haram that um, is fighting. It's as a result of corruption because there's no money, no service delivery in the communities. You hear of kidnapping. These days in Nigeria, people are kidnapped for ransom. It's because people are agitated that the resources available for remaining Nigerians are being utilized by very few people. So these tensions is continuing. But one what is happening now is that this civil society has gotten to the level where that awareness has been created that they are rising against such tensions. And this is why thinking and working politically is very important because thinking and working politically helps us to dissect the situation and be able to provide possible immediate solutions that can be used to provide development. And um, in Nigeria, practically I will give you an example I talked about the issue of the police brutality in Nigeria and how the civil society rose up against it like two years ago. If you Google, you hear the word NSAS. It actually means political, I mean, the police brutality and how the civil society rose up against it. It caught the government unaware because they never knew that spontaneously civil society will rise up against it from one state to the other. And that was why they were able, how that problem was able to be solved. Another practical problem um, situation that we also created that, I will also mention here that in one of the state of 1 to do education analysis, we discovered that the private sector is eventually having more enrollment of, of people at the basic level than the public sector. Because the public sector has failed people almost everybody is withdrawing their children and taking them to the private schools and this private schools seems to be thriving. and these are supposed to be the key responsibilities of the of the, of the government to provide basic amenities provide social services like education and all that but because of the corruption system in the, uh, the corruption in the system that has made it almost like impossible
2: uh hello I'm Dr Sirba Said Ahmed uh, working together with Sami and Garret. What I want to add is uh, looking at the brief background given by Sunny, I want to add that uh, another problem with working and thinking politically in Nigeria, especially in the north, has to do with issue around continuity. Uh, we have programs, we have governments coming in and going out, and then most of the times because some of these governments are not from the same party, you discover that there is issue of continuity of those uh, programs or even issues around ownership, issues around incentive. Each government has its own incentive, each government has what it wants to do, and it's failed to build on already established uh, programs uh, in the state. For instance one of the states I worked in, we have a program, a, 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 a policy that is a very good policy that is almost at the point of being signed by the ESCO, but was dropped because the champion of that particular policy is no more in the same party uh, with the with the present administration. So you you see this kind of discontinuity, you see this kind of a uh, you know, uh, lack of continuity because of this different political authority, different incentives among the politicians. And then apart from that also, you discover that we have a lot of policy. A lot of policy are in existence in the country, but then these policies are not being implemented. Uh, you discover that, for instance, in the education sector, uh, you discover that we have different policy. We have policies that has to do with the teacher, teacher recruitment and deployment policy or teacher policy. We have inclusive education policy. We have girls' education policy. All these policies are there in existence, but they are not being implemented. Uh, Implemented and these policies, if they are going to be fully implemented, will have a very big difference in terms of how things are in terms of how things are being done in the country in terms of the development of education and and, uh, education sector, But uh, but that's not the case it's not been implemented you discover that when you do an analysis you discover that there are so many issues attached to lack of implementation of those policies some of the issue has to do with the with funding and then some of the f- issues has to do with even the, the the incentive by the by the government by the politicians because most of times they, they do things that uh, will create patronage where where the where, where they, they they like to do things that are easily seen Things that the people will, will actually easily see. For instance, instead of building additional schools, they rather build roads and bridges that the that they can easily show and say that this is what they do. But they say that investment in education is this, you know, is a it takes a lot of uh, funding, and then it's not something you can easily see in the near future. The credit may not be yours. So, so, so there is that. It depends on the incentive of the government, and then. Apart from that, also, there is also discovered discover that this issue in the north, especially issue of Boko Haram, issue of insecurity, issue of kidnapping has actually affected uh, programs. Uh, most programs are scared of the uh, safety of their people. So, so you discover that some programs actually just stopped, while others were, were on but with caution. And it limited also access to some of this community because of uh, the insurgency, because of the kidnapping cases. Uh, but notwithstanding, I can say that uh, there is also a lot of uh, opening that there are opportunities. For instance, we have dedicated civil servants in service that are passionate about, uh, about the system that have put in. Uh, a lot of effort to see how things can move forward positively so we have them and then we also have a system where we have a very well aware uh, you know a very well civil society organization we have a lot of civil society organization that are really fighting uh to hold the government accountable for some of the promises they do during campaign and even to hold them accountable in terms of issues around budgetary allocations budgetary releases so so there is a lot of uh, positive aspects also there is a lot of opportunities in that in that in that regard uh things are gradually changing because as i mentioned the civil society the public are now more aware of how to hold the government accountable of their actions as we can see in the current situation that uh, nigeria is facing the election and uh, the ruling power and the people what they are seeing. thank you
0: thank you very much that, that's fascinating uh, from the big picture, but perhaps we can focus down on some of your professional experiences. Can, can you give us some examples of how you've applied a thinking and working politically approach in your work and what difference that's made to your work?
1: Oh, oh yeah, Garrett, um, there are so many, but let me just give one practical one uh, that um, I remember in 2014 stroke 2015, I was engaged as a consultant on a an EU, water project in the Niger Delta five states in the Niger Delta and before I came in to myself and another colleague to do the political economy analysis and uh, economy and institutional analysis, one of the challenges that we were having was that though they signed tripartite um, agreement with the state government but the state government were not paying part of their' uh, not paying contributing to the, the counterpart funding that would become a, a bigger challenge for them and they could not actually take off because EU project require that um, the government pay their counterpart funding before the project can actually commence. So for like almost a year, they were just paying salaries of um, the staff that they recruited and there was no practical activity going on in the field. So when we came in to do the political economy analysis, when I realized realized that one of the challenges that um, that was uh, uh, facing the, the project was because the governors, we are not responding. They did not take it as a, a responsibility to provide services in that area of water to the community. To start with the United that everywhere you go, you see water, but not all the water is drinkable. So they felt that, and the other part of it was that the EU project then was trying to commercialize water to a certain level, that water should not just be a social goods, but a kind of a commercial activity that community could pay some money. So also, Two level government was not responding, now convincing the community to say water is not going to be a social good, but a commercial good was a challenge. So when we did the community, when we did the political economy analysis and institutional analysis, we now came up with we we went back to the drawing board looking at political um, thinking and working politically. We now came up with two options. One at the government level, we now identified, okay. Since we are finding it difficult for government to pay their counterpart fund, and the counterpart fund from the government we are talking about is only at the head of the, the hem of our Fed, executive governors of the state are actually the people that are responsible. So, what we then agree was why don't we then look at what we call the political, what we call the reform champions within the state? Who are these reform champions? These are, they might be in government, they might not be in government, but people that the governors can can have listening here, that can actually call the attention of the governor and they will now um, uh, uh, be able to sell the idea of this water project to them. So when these ideas were suggested, and few, we had a long list, but it was prone down to who are the most influencer influencer persons among all of them. And these were the people that were used and eventually the counterpart fund was paid. Now at the part of the community that to convince the community to actually get water, as a commercial, not as a social goods was another challenge. So what we then do was that we also went back to say, why don't you first of all do an advocacy to the communities and then mobilize the few people there are, it could be one, it could be two persons in the community who are also influential, who should have this understanding that yes, for us to sustain this water, we need to pay more money and use those ones also to, to, to sell the idea to the community. And some of the people identify some of the traditional rulers are very influential and they are illiterate. So we propose the idea, yes, a, project, a water project is gonna be constructed in your environment, but this water project require um, generators that need to be repaired. Government does not have the resources to be pumping for you to be to, to, into the system to repair these facilities all the time. So it's required that you need to raise money from this water project to sustain the project, so it's not that we are going to be selling the water as such, well, but like putting a small amount of money that can be raised and used to service the project, and that was what happened. And all the communities bought into the idea, and the project was completed. Thank you. Those are the, that's a particular example I can give.
0: For that, now. Thank you, Sunny. Sounds like a, a fascinating example where you both looked at the top-down problem of the lack of political will, uh, yeah. and you came up with. <clears throat> methods and approaches that help to build and strengthen that political will by using reform champions, but you were also looking at the bottom-up operation and maintenance of the water schemes through communities and building that demand. That's a really concrete and fascinating example. Thanks very much, Sunny. Uh, Do you you have an example for, for us?
2: Yeah, thank you, Garrett. Uh, the example I can give you is we did a political economy analysis of the education sector in Kano State uh, between 2019 to 2020. Actually, in the in the case of then the political economy analysis, you know, part of the problem of education that is the political economy analysis in the education sector, we have issues around access, equity, and quality. Uh, so there are a lot of challenges in that field. And then, uh, because of uh, patronage by the governor, uh, he was actually interested in uh, in given free education for all. He actually made a pronouncement immediately he come into seat the second time, that is in twenty nineteen, that uh, education is completely free. think in Nigeria, basic education is free, but uh, in the context of the governor, he is referring to that everything is free no need for the parents to buy exercise book, notebook. And that was very popular. It's a selling point for, for the masters because of the level of poverty in Kano State. So they were very happy with that pronouncement. It increases enrollment. But then there is also another implication for that policy because it means uh, there is a need for additional funding for education. Uh, it's, it's actually brought about a point of engagement uh, with the governor because the governor is interested in actually giving that, but then there are funding issues. There are so many issues atti- uh, you know, attached to that particular pronouncement, and uh, that is how uh, we engage the governor. And then the issue around the existing law by Congresso, which is uh, which has to do with education tax law, uh, which led to the creation of an agency, Education uh, Education Support Agency.
0: So I mean that's a very interesting example where you've used. Uh... The thinking, working politically perspective to identify what it was that the governor himself was interested in, what would be a popular policy. Uh, so, kind of working with the grain of the political system and the patronage dynamics you've described, and finding using that as an entry point to uh, push the reform process further. So, I think that's a, a very smart and interesting example you raised. Thanks very much. So, thank you, colleagues, for two excellent examples of how you've been using, thinking and working politically in Nigeria. Could you just perhaps reflect a bit on what are the practical challenges of of using this approach in the Nigerian context itself? Yeah,
2: one of the challenges I can mention is sometimes getting information that is politically sensitive can be very difficult. Uh, For instance, when you are thinking and working politically, you do need data to do some of those uh, analysis. And then you discover that there are sensitive data that you you may find it very difficult to get. Not that the data is not available, but then the officer to give you the data is scared. Of the implication of that data and how we are going to use that data. So it's also one of the major because I have a seen, sim- I have, I face recently, I faced a similar uh, challenge whereby I'm looking for that uh, on the teachers' attrition, that is, uh, retirement uh, t- teachers that are getting out of service. And because of the, the nature of that data and because of the number of teachers that have been uh, that are retiring and then employment is not been done it's it's a very sensitive data that it becomes very difficult to lay my hands on that data and then apart from that also when you're doing stakeholder marketing, sometimes some of those key actors you want to identify you need government officials to actually give you insight into this whether who is from minded because you may not really know each of this individual you need to talk to others that can tell you and others normally they prepare to give you a politically correct interpretation of someone's uh incentive of someone's interest nobody will come out and tell you and say that the government the governor has no interest in education so it's sometimes it's very difficult to actually be able to get someone to open up and actually talk about who is who is serving as a bottleneck, who can help you, who can assist you? Sometimes you need to, you know, you need to come you not. I don't want to use the word come of but sometimes you need to really tell them that the information you are getting from them is information for internal use. And it's not information that you can publicize that others can lay their hands on. So it's, uh, it's really also a challenge to do that. And then like sometimes issues around marginalized group, giving them a voice, is a problem. Uh, I'm a woman. I'm educated. We have a lot of us in, in, in in Nigeria. We have a lot of us in the northern part of the country. But sometimes you discover that we are still not in the decision-making hierarchy. You discover that we are still marginalized in terms of being in a position where we do major decisions, not only women, but you discover that uh, special needs. There are a lot of marginalized groups that their voice aren't really hard when you talk about decision-making. So so, so all this can actually affect, we are fighting for inclusion, we are fighting for jealousy, but then they make the decision-makers there are, 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 are people that may not be sensitive to these issues around uh, marginalized, group, issues around uh, safety. You know, I, I, so, so it's, it's, it's a challenge, really, if you are thinking and working politically.
0: Thank you very much for your very realistic and candid assessments. Just to, to finish off, I, I can't um, stop thinking about the, the elections uh, happening over the next uh, few days. Uh, and these are proving to be much more (laughs) interesting and and contested than ever. Um, But perhaps taking a step back from that and the bigger picture of social, economic and political change in Nigeria, do you think that uh, things are different this time in the the elections or is patronage politics just as entrenched as ever? Do you see any changes in the political economy of Nigeria and what does this mean for, for development cooperation?
2: Well, what I can say is, uh, for the first time in the in history of Nigeria's election, we can say that we are seeing a very different thing from the normal thing, which is uh, right from before the election, you you can be able to predict who is going to be the winner. We normally have two powerful existing parties, that is APC, PDP. But for this current election, we now have four parties that are contestant, and each of those party they have a strong... So you can be you can be very sure with certainty. You cannot predict with certainty that who will emerge as the winner in the in, in the country. And then apart from that also because of this dilemma of uh, social media. There is a lot, and apart from that also a lot of sensitization, we have civil society organizations that are doing a lot of sensitization, sensitizing the people with regard to the, to their votes as it's their right. Over the media now, I, I, there are jingles saying that if you sell your vote for 5,000 naira at the end of the day, you are selling your vote for for 4 naira per day. So, so, so it's, 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 it's. It's now sinking on the people that they have a right, whatever they do today, whatever they do during the election has a repercussion of two years of that particular channel of the, of, of the elect. Uh, especially during this current, uh, you can see that currently, Nigeria is facing so many hardship because of so many policies that are put in place with not, and there are no proper actually plan for the implementation of those uh, policies. So everybody is facing a lot of hardship. There is no currency in the country. Uh, there is no work. So everybody is actually facing a situation whereby he's not happy. And therefore the people are now, both at the rural and the urban community are becoming more sensitive on the need to actually uh, select a leader that can actually change the focus uh, of Nigeria that can help in actually improving livelihood. So, 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 people are becoming more conscious, and youths are also moving into the dilemma of uh, politics. So, it gives an opening of engaging these youth CSOs and the public in how to actually ensure that we have good leadership uh, in the state. So, it's, it's really a very impressive thing seeing how things are moving.
1: Uh, we, we wait and see the result of uh, tomorrow's election. So this political situation is dynamic and is happening and a lot of change is coming into the system. And I agree totally that um, this is the time actually that thinking and working politically will be needed in Nigeria to be able to begin to predict some of these things uh, that are uh, occurrences in Nigeria and be able to say, yes, this is the line that we can do in terms of development work. So uh, I think that's the part I will quickly comment on.
0: Thank you very much. That's a um, really interesting set of perspectives and it's great to end on some positive notes about uh, real changes that we're seeing in this election, particularly as we began the discussion with quite a bleak picture about how challenging the political economy context is in Nigeria. Great to hear about some uh, positive tendencies that you're observing right now. So thank you very much to Sawada Ahmad uh, sunny you. Thank you very much for sharing your insights on thinking and working politically in Nigeria. Goodbye, listeners.